0: Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining us today. Now, listen, I want to tell you something that is taking place at Hickory Ridge Community Church. And men, 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 if you want to take advantage of this, we are doing a daddy-daughter date night happening this weekend, okay? So you got to give me a call or you got to get on our website and register for this event. So what this is, is you bring your daughter with you. Now it doesn't matter if she's a young lady or if she's a little bit older, uh, you can bring her. Now this is such a cool event. okay? Every year I bring my daughter and she's 27 years old and my wife goes with her dad and he's 76 years old. So he is bringing my wife as his date. I'm bringing my daughter as my date and every year this event is so much fun so if you're interested in this, go to hrcc7.org and you can register online, but you got to do it quick, right? You got to do it today because it's happening this weekend. So if you have any questions about it, you certainly can call me, shoot me a text at 252-267-2365, or you can call the church office, 757 757- but the best place to go is to the church website and go ahead and click on events and then scroll down where it says Daddy Daughter Date Night, and you can register right there online. It's not that expensive to go. We'll give you a nice meal, and uh, this would be a great event for you to take your daughter on a date. And I think all of you men should be dating your daughters. And so we created this event to give you an excuse to date your daughter, right? Thinking, well, I don't know what to do. What kind of date should I have with my daughter? Just tell her, hey, we're gonna go to Hickory Community Church on the Daddy Daughter Date Night. Love to have you come and be part of that. Well, today is part two on why we suffer and where's the hope. Now listen, Paul says if you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed of that. But praise God that you bear his name. Now, I want you to know many years ago, I almost hate to admit this, that I went through a major, I guess you could call it a blue funk. Okay, I got all this skirts and I got all, i got turned sideways about something. And let me tell you what I got turned sideways about. And I'm almost ashamed to admit this. I was turned sideways because we had a son that was diagnosed with autism and I didn't know what to do. You know, as I look at my family, uh, we are very fortunate that we didn't have any special needs kids in our family. And we had uh, some other health problems in our family. We had some learning disabilities, but we didn't really have any really significantly special needs children in my family. And all of a sudden, we have uh, this child that is born who is very low functioning and has autism. And and I was discouraged. I said, man, what in the world? Uh, Lord, why are you doing this to me? what did I do to deserve this, right? I got that, woe is me. You ever been there? I know some of you have been there. Some of you are there right now. You got the woe is me attitude. So I can't believe this happened to me, right? I can't believe I got to put up with this in my life. I got to put up with that in this. Uh, and I can't believe that this happened to me, right? And you're feeling that somebody's done you wrong and you're feeling sideways. you turned sideways about it. Well, I got so discouraged and I got praying about that thing. And somebody gave me a piece of advice that has stuck with me. And this person said to me, now listen, Pastor, God only gives special needs kids to special parents. God knew you could handle this. And so he gave you this son. You know what? He has been such a blessing to my life. Now, I want you to know I'm not a big fan of autism, but I am a big fan of what God can do through autism. When it comes to this matter of suffering, it kind of falls in that same category. Not everybody can handle suffering, so God knows what we can handle. But His choicest servants are the ones who have suffered the most. I want you to think about somebody that you highly respect. Maybe it's your pastor. Maybe it's somebody who is a spiritual leader in your life, and you highly respect that person. Why do you highly respect that person? Because they are able to impart into your life the wisdom of God. They're able to teach you how to hang in there when you want to quit. Well, how did they learn that? You know, somebody says that uh, smooth sailing does not occur, or learning how to be a sailor does not occur in calm waters, right? It occurs during storms. And during our storms of life, that is where we learn more about how God can sustain us. Uh, so we don't need to be ashamed when we go through times of suffering. If you're suffering right now and somebody says, well, maybe you've done something to deserve this suffering, don't worry about what that person says. Don't be ashamed about it. Praise God that you're able to bear his name. So there's three things that we're going to learn today in the broadcast. We're going to learn, number one, there is glory in suffering. We're going to learn, number two, that there is groanings in suffering. Now, listen, if you're going through a hard time, don't have a martyr complex, but on the same token, don't be in denial about it. Don't put a smile on your face and pretend, hey, everything's okay. I'm okay. You're okay. Don't be in denial over your suffering. Acknowledge it, right? Realize there's groanings and suffering. But number three, remember there is a guarantee of suffering. That's where the hope is. So, number one, there is glory to be revealed in us in our times of suffering. So, I looked up that word suffering. I looked up that word glory. I think we know what suffering is, right? But that word glory is an interesting word. It means to show honor, to praise, to worship to bring about with brilliance, to praise somebody, to honor somebody. So, when we go through times of suffering, there is glory that is going to be revealed in us. So, this is how I would would put it. The pain that we experience is less than the gain. Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings, our present pain, is not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. Now, you know this is true if you've ever played sports, right? You put yourself through a grueling regimen. You practice, and you build up strength, and you go over the plays, and you get up early in the morning, you stay up late at night, and then you finally win the World Series, or you finally win the Super Bowl, or you finally win the championship game, and then you say, man, this was worth it, right? I'm so glad that I went through and I disciplined myself through times of suffering. You know, for the believer who goes through hard times, goes through sufferings, you know there's a promise that is given to us? We will receive the crown of life. James talks about it. Paul talks about it. John the Revelator talks about it. And Jesus even mentions it. Check this out. James 1.12 says, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who... love him. God puts us in the pressure cooker. When we pass the test, he says, you're going to receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. John the Revelator says, do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you'll have tribulation for 10 days, but be faithful until death and I'll give you the crown of life." There we see John is recording the words of Christ, who is talking about those who are tribulation saints that are going to go through the pressure of being saved during a very difficult time of tribulation. But they hang in there. They receive that crown of life. Paul says this, 2 Corinthians 4, 17, that our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Uh, so we can say, keep the end goal in mind because the pain that we experience now, the suffering that we experience now is much less than the glory that we're going to gain. Oh, I can't wait to go to heaven. I am so looking forward to going to heaven. And you know, as I think about how bad our world is, just the other night at Small Group, uh, I got a text, a message, and somebody said, man, I, I can't come to the group tonight because there's somebody in Carter County that is wandering around with an assault rifle. And apparently this guy uh, was shooting off this rifle and and he had some mental health issues, but he was loose somewhere in Curtak County. And so this person says, I got to go home and I got to be with my family to protect them in case this crazy person shows up. Uh, Well, listen, as you go through hard times, remember that the pain is far less than the gain. It's a momentary trouble that you're going through. It is going to be achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Here's the second thing. Not only is the pain less than the gain, but we're not alone in our suffering. You know that creation suffers with us? Christ suffered with us? Uh, Verse 19, we're in Romans chapter 8, verse 19 says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revelation of the sons of God. For the creation is subject to futility. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Well, you know, we're suffering, there's no doubt about it, but we're not going through it alone. You know that suffering is a universal problem? There's a poet by the name of Christian Winman, and he was diagnosed with an incurable form of blood cancer on his 39th birthday. And so he wrote very frankly about the agonizing effect of this illness and the agonized treatments that he had to endure. He said this, I have had bones die, bowels fail, joints lock in my face and in my arms and in my legs so that I could not eat, I could not walk. I have passed through pain I could never have imagined. Pain that seemed to incinerate all of my thoughts of God, to leave me sitting there in ashes all alone. He continues and says, When the diagnosis came, I was a rising star in the literary world, and I was an editor, and I was a prestigious poetry publisher. But he confessed that his faith in Christ began to evaporate. It evaporated in a blast of modernism and secularism to which I was exposed to in college. He says, this diagnosis started a journey that ultimately led me back to God. It wasn't a particular doctrine that drew me back to him and drew me back to the faith, but he says, I found a friend in the suffering. I found Christ in the middle of the suffering. He says, I am a Christian because at that moment, I was remembering the cross of Jesus when Jesus was drinking the very dregs of human bitterness and he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, this is the point that was driven home to me. The point is that God is with us. He's not beyond us in our times of suffering. He is with us in the midst of our suffering. He continues by saying, I'm a Christian because I understood that moment of Christ's passion. To have meaning in my own life, and that it means that I am not going through this alone. He is going through this pain with me. Now, he's understanding here that God is with him every step of the way. Oh, I'm so glad that we have a friend in Jesus who identifies with our times of suffering. You know, not only does he give us his spirit to go through our times of suffering, but he also gives us people, friends in our lives. I'm so glad for the family of God that I have. You know, I'd want to be a Christian just because of the wonderful friends that I have gained and the family of God. But Paul talks about the fact there is future freedom that we have. That's what brings us to hope. Let's drop down to Romans chapter 8, verse 23. And he says, not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons and the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he already sees, already has? I want you to know there can be hope even in the midst of pain. Now I love this story that I read not too long ago, and it's about a couple, and this couple had their home robbed. Thieves came in and, and stole their precious jewelry. Thieves came in and beat the family dog, and, and they ransacked the house. It says we were all in a state of shock. The children were filled with anxiety, and they felt for months they were, they were victimized because of this crime. It's hard to believe they were robbed. It was hard to have God test them in such a powerful way. This is what this family did. They said, we got to get past this. We can't let this robbery define us. So the day after they were robbed, the dad pushed out the grill out into the front yard where there was already a picnic table waiting for them. And then he posted little signs throughout the neighborhood. And he says on these little signs, we were robbed. The robbers took our stuff, but not things of eternal value and invited all of their neighbors to come. And they said, we're having a cookout. We're going to have burgers and hot dogs, and we're going to celebrate the fact that God protected us. Well, you know what? It was a joyful time. With hot dogs and the kids and water guns and meeting new and old friends, neighbors all showed up. The community from their neighborhood showed up, and they had a time of celebration. You know, when you go through times of suffering, you don't go through it alone. Not only should you go through times of suffering with others, but realize times of celebration should be enjoyed with others as well. If you come out of cancer, if you come out of a tragedy in your life, why not throw a party? Because that's what Matthew did. Oh, I love the story of Matthew. When he was redeemed, when he was saved from a life of sin, he had a Matthew party. He says, y'all come on over and uh, we're going to have a party. And he invited Jesus to come to that party. You know, at that party, some of the disciples were called out and they were converted. Isn't it amazing what can happen if we take our times of suffering and we turn it into a celebration, realizing that we are not alone. We're not going through this time alone. The pain that we're bearing right now is insignificant In comparison to the gain that we have, God will be glorified in us and through us in our times of suffering. Listen, if I never had a problem, how would I know that God could solve them? God wants to be glorified in me through the times of my suffering. That's where I find hope. There's a second area that we can find hope. And as we think about this second point, there is groanings. Groanings, but it's the help of the Holy Spirit. In our times of struggle, We have the presence of the Holy Spirit. Paul says in verse 26, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know even what to pray for, but the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. You know, to be filled with the Holy Spirit means that we allow Him to occupy, allow Him to control every area of our Lives. So I want you to get a picture in your mind. I want you to get a picture of two glasses of water and two alka salsa. And I want you to picture that I have before you one glass of water and I take the alka salsa and I rip it out of the package and I drop that tablet into the water. And as that tablet is dropped into the water, that alka salsa doesn't sink, right? The water begins to bubble up. But then in a second glass of water, I take the Alka-Salsa and I drop it into that glass of water. But I don't take it out of this sealed packet. I just drop it in there. Now it's probably going to sit there and float on the top of that water, but there's going to be no fizz. You see, both glasses have the Alka-Salsa, just as all Christians have the Holy Spirit. But notice how you can have the Holy Spirit and not His filling. You can have the Holy Spirit so wrapped up and so bound up in your life that it doesn't do anything for you. Listen, I want you to know that the presence of the Spirit is with you, but you've got to surrender to it. You've got to allow the Spirit to intercede with groanings, groanings that are too deep for words. So Paul talks about the presence of the Holy Spirit, but he talks about the prayers of the Holy Spirit. Verse 27 says, that he searches the hearts and he knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, as Paul writes this, he's, he's reminding us that we might miss the will of God. So we pray. That's why we pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we are praying right now that you bring down your will from heaven to this earth. We don't always know how to pray within your will, but the Spirit always does. And so the Spirit intercedes with groanings that are too deep to be uttered. In other words, this is a deep, penetrating prayer as we're going through deep, penetrating hurts. The prayers of the Spirit, the groanings of the Spirit. As you go through times of trouble, always remember that the pain is paling in comparison to the glory that you're going to receive and that the groanings, the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is interceding on your behalf. But there's one other point that we've got to cover today, and that is the guarantee that all things are working together for good. Now, as I think about this point, this guarantee that is given, we as Americans, I think for the most part, have inflated expectations you think about marriage, I want to encourage you, if you're having some marriage difficulties, it could be because you're expecting too much from your spouse and maybe not quite enough of yourself. Many times we get married and we have these lofty ideas of what our spouse is going to be. Listen, your spouse cannot be God for you. As a matter of fact, historian Daniel Borstein suggests that Americans suffer from all too extravagant expectations. In his book, The Image, he makes this observation about Americans. He says, We in America expect anything and everything. We expect the contradictory and we expect the impossible. We expect compact cars that are spacious, luxurious cars that are economical. We expect to be rich and charitable. We expect to be powerful and merciful. We expect to be active and reflective. We expect to be kind and yet also competitive. We expect to eat and stay thin. I've been expecting that for a long time, and it hasn't happened. We expect to reverence God, but yet to be God. Never have a people been more the masters of their environment and been so much more miserable. Here's a guarantee that you can go to bank on. All things work together for good to those who love God. That's the catch. Things are working toward a climax for those who love God. You see, Paul says if anyone does not love the Lord, that person is accursed. That person is considered one who has been rejected by God because they don't love God. You know, I was talking to an atheist one day. And this atheist said to me, I don't believe God exists, and I hate him. I thought for a moment, how do I even respond to that? How can you hate somebody that doesn't exist? Jesus says in John 14, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one I love. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them, and I will show myself to them. You see, God doesn't show himself himself the people that don't love him. God's got to draw those who don't love him to him. And when they love him, then they are shown him. Verse 23, Jesus says, anyone who loves me will obey my teachings and my father will love them and he will come to them and, and make our home with them. You see, all things work together for good to those who love God. If you don't love God, there's no promise that all things work together for good in your life. As a matter of fact, just the opposite is true. All things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. You see, it's according to God's purpose that we are called. You know, there's a pastor, and his son committed suicide, and he was filled with duress. And he read this passage, and we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who have been called according to his purposes. And this pastor, 10 days after his son committed suicide, returned to the pulpit, he was visibly struggling. And he says, I cannot make my son's suicide fit into this passage. It's impossible for me to see how anything good can come out of this. Yet I realize that I only see in part, I only know in part, It's like the miracle of the shipyard. Almost every part of our great ocean-going vessels are made of steel. If you take any single part of that ship, whether it be a steel plate that's on the hull or the huge rudder, and you take it off that ship and you throw it into the ocean, it will sink. Steel does not float. But when the shipbuilders are finished, when the last plate has been riveted into place, then that massive steel ship is virtually unsinkable. You see, take it by itself. My son's suicide is senseless. Throw it into the sea of Romans eight twenty eight, 28, and it sinks. Still, I believe when the eternal shipbuilder has finally finished, when God has worked out his perfect design, even this senseless tragedy will somehow work out to eternal good. Well, there's one final thing we've got to know. We've got to know that God allows all things that work together for good, those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose, and those who carry out his purpose. Continually to carrying out his purpose. The psalmist says, The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. Paul says those who God knew, he predestined, conformed to be the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among the brothers and sisters. And then he says that he called us. And he called us to be justified. And he called us to be sanctified. And he called us to be glorified. You see, in the process, we know that as we follow the Lord, God works all things out. Thank you, Lord, for being with us today. Thank you for speaking with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if I can help you, please shoot me a text, 252-252. 267 2365. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in today. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash one eight nine zero five five seven or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at thirty-three twenty Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are nine AM and ten thirty AM. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.